Bat Force Radio. Bat Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? The Batman of Gotham does not exist. It's an urban legend cooked up by drug dealers and slumlords. Paul Pope, Batman Year 100. This is Robo Rich, and you are now tuned in to Bat Force Radio. <clears throat> All right, welcome back to Bat Force Radio, and very special returning guest and friend on the show, boys. Really quick, everyone, put on your uh, Cult of the Bat Dakota rings, ladies and gentlemen. Wel- welcoming back to Bat Force Radio, the Cult of the Batman. Welcome hello, back, hello, hello, <laughs> for the second episode of the Cult of the Force Bat Cult from <laughs> <laughs> the Force Pod. Cult cast. By the end of this, by the end of this episode, we would have had more Cult of the Batman on Bat Force Radio than the, the Trunkler uh, in the year 2000. <laughs> you should come drinking with us uh, some night. We come up with what uh, Bat crap like about 150 cult of hashtags in that yeah, one. I, I that think one drinking. I think our boy Triple J counted 75 last time. 75 <laughs> cult of the bad hashtags. Uh, I was so yeah. I was like so buzzed at one point. I'm like getting up. I'm like, man, I gotta take a cult of the bad piss. <laughs> 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 Do a quick funny. Oh man, Triple J. Shout out to Triple J. Um, all right. We got a good one tonight. One of Cult of the Bat's favorite um, stories, along with many of ours, is Batman Year 100, written yes. and drawn by Paul Pope. And let me tell you, I'll just start off by saying that I'll be a little bold enough to say that I feel this might be visually the grittiest Batman story ever told. Like, was yep. the gritty Batman, this raw, dark, futuristic, um, ambiguous tale of Batman in this really down-in-the-dumps, gloomy Gotham. Paul Pope um, got the, uh, the, what was it, the four-piece prestige format treatment, where he was able to do a four-part story. Um, it's a big privilege, especially for a Batman story. Uh, what was this, 2007? 2007 yeah uh, all right. yeah and, yeah um, and yeah it had each book had the spine on it really it was great printing great beautiful co- you know quality paper and cover and yeah the whole, no, the smudges, whole thing. no smudges no smudges <laughs> you know frank miller frank miller actually said that uh that he was talking to paul pope about how uh he really banged up uh bruce batman you know as much as he did yeah in his books and so. this book is just chock full of um Year 100 and uh, Dark Knight Returns influence, if you really go through it as well. So, um, very cool. Issues, the single issues are really hard to kind of track down now, I think. Yeah, they yeah. are. They were, yeah. when I would track, I was tracking them down um, years ago and they were hard back then. Now it must be really tricky. But if anyone's interested, just get the uh, 
the Batman Deluxe. 100 Deluxe Edition, the hardcover. Uh, it's the best investment. Uh, one of the best you'll ever make in terms comes of... With other stories apparently yeah it comes with three other stories <laughs> that i didn't read <laughs> oh by the way for, for anyone who didn't finish their homework you see colt brought, brought um cult of the bat star stickers today but you only get one if you did all your homework so yeah uh, a couple of you guys yeah. are fucked right now <laughs> bad bad boy, bad boy. <laughs> spank me yeah the, uh, the trailer got betrayed by the tra- by his trades <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> i still have to pick up that uh, the deluxe hardcover i mean it, it's it's a nice one to have i just got the other one they put out like a couple years ago the soft cover yeah, and yeah. the original and i think i have another trade or something so yeah i've got to get so you're, that you're hard stocked cover. up on year 100 man you got you're gonna have yeah. as many year 100s as grant has uh dark knight returns could be, could be. Really, not I after really next like, wednesday uh, <laughs> one thing i really like in the I have the soft cover trade. One thing mm-hmm. I really like is how he goes into the costume design after the story and he talks a lot you know about, you know, his thoughts even as a kid what he thought a, a superhero suit should look like. He's like, you know, he thought that of course a superhero shouldn't have just bland seamless boots, you know. He just only thought it would be logical that Batman would have some type of like military combat type boots, kind of like what an Air Force Ranger would have. And then uh, it made him mad how artists, I guess, back earlier before him, never drew like seams and wrinkles in the suits. So he wanted his his Batman to really kind of have a homemade, disheveled look with his suit. Yeah, homemade, yes. I think, is the best way to describe it. With yeah, the, uh, yeah, the the, be- little... the the most DIY suit I've ever seen on yeah. Batman, and and for that reason, my favorite, like the, the the shortened sleeves with the cuffs, you know, to expose a little bit of the wrist, right. showing re- his fallibility. He really put a lot of thought into designing the suit, not just you know the look of it, but also the functionality. He said that he um, he visited the MIT Media Lab, researching military websites. And then he also said he read uh, a quick pass through this book called The Anarchist Cookbook, which yep. I guess, you know, <laughs> tells you how to. <laughs> Didn't fucking guys, the Columbine kids read that shit? <laughs> yeah, you can make pipe bombs and shit. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, he, he put some research and, and thought into what the suit should look like and also how it should function. Yeah, totally, totally. I fully, fully realized for, he'd only done a few short stories and to come up with this whole his own little, you know, universe um, was pretty clever and pretty cool and pretty, you know, signs of uh, his talent. You know, it's set in a future, so he had to come up with also some futuristic devices too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Something about this suit that I really like is that you kind of see the utility, the utility in it. Whereas some of the other suits that Batman has, like he kind of pulls shit out of nowhere, like out of a <laughs> you know, rabbit out of a hat. But this, yeah, one, yeah. got <laughs> shit like at the ready. And uh, it's a lot more, you know, realistic in the sense of, oh, well, it makes sense. He's got his line right there. Or he's got this pouch there. And it, you, you get a sense of him being like almost like a dude, like getting ready for battle and having everything at the ready right on, like mm. right at his hip, you know? Yeah. Well, totally, even like the totally. cape, the cape is like kind of split up the back, you know, so it, it it flares like wings. And as he jumps from one building to the next, it, it actually flares like true wings, you know? Mm. Yeah. Hey, who, who of us has this black and white statue? 
I do. And I do. Colt does. Oh, yeah. my God. It's such a good one. Oh, man. I I remember one time, uh, I think Colt was uh, selling a couple of things to make room for more things. And oh, I was like, yeah. uh, I, I go to him. I go, you're going to sell that Paul Pope statue? And he told me, he goes, that's going to be mounted on my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. uh, my first first statue. Yeah, first statue. And I only have a few, but I have to, yeah, I have to have that one. Paul Pope. Yeah. That's one of the best by far. That, that's one where... It was at my shop and a couple other shops for months. And I looked at it and I hadn't started collecting black and whites yet. And I was like, I like that, but you know, where's that going to go or what's that going to go with? And then I always regretted never getting that specific one. Yeah. Yeah. Backcrap, didn't you find yours uh, for a pretty decent price recently or? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm always looking for them hunts, man. Fucking you know? $12 maybe in the glass one. <laughs> 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 he likes to find the deal where you get somebody to pay him to take it. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the $15 over here. They, uh, <laughs> they translated um, Paul Pope's design onto the statue very well. And I really love how his ma- the mask on this Batman does um, <clears throat> is a good homage to the 1939 Batman with the short ears and that. The design of the eyes that are kind of kind of symmetric with the the pointy ears, the short, yeah, shorter yeah. but spiked up outward. Yep. If that makes Call, sense, kind of almond like. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. really did a good I, job. I like uh, I like early in the first issue, they do kind of the that rundown of you know Batman's biography, where they talk about the uh, they're going over the evidence, you know, the the little bit of evidence that they do have of him from over the years. And how the first thing they have was you know, uh, from a case from 1939, and then it goes through uh, through the 60s. <laughs> that is on 1986, Dark Knight Returns, mm. and built it in a way where every aspect of the history is kind of built into, you know, the the story. Mm. Really great. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so uh, cracking it open, we have. Um, yeah, pretty much. They're hunting them down, SWAT as usual, and because they're obs- obsessed um, with capturing somebody who is uh, a double U, was it? He's double mm-hmm. unidentified or something? Yes. Unidentified, yep. unclassified. Right. So, I love how this book just starts off, bang, right in the middle of the action. Yeah, it's totally. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, and it's so it's it's so beautifully laid out. I mean, the, each each of those panels in that whole that whole sequence like with the dog stopping at the edge of the the roof and yeah it's it's so uh like cinematic mm. what i Amazing. really love probably one of my favorite parts is these stills that they have of batman through um night vision where it's you know it's all that really staticky diffused oh, green and yeah, that still is so sick, <laughs> he looks like he looks it's so scary man scary yeah. exactly and that's exactly how Batman wanted everyone to view him when he started in his rookie year. You're right. You're getting the perspective of everyone chasing him. And as the reader, you're not sure yourself. It could be because they're not showing you Bruce Wayne. They're not showing you the Batcave. They're showing Batman jumping on running on the rooftops. And you're like, is he? Is this really Batman? Is this is this guy a human or is he superhuman? Like, what's the, the things that he's doing are kind of impossible. So it really br- brings the reader into kind of like that whole is this possible? What is this guy? Who is this guy? And it's basically like putting you in the position of everybody else around him. Like you said, like there's no way this guy could be real. There's no way this could be happening, you know? And I think right. that's like the portion of the beginning of the story. Paul yeah. Pulp does an yeah. excellent job at making the reader question 
who this character is, despite the fact that we're seeing a Batman costume. He's making it that uh, to, to the point where it just entices you to further explore what's going on in this story. And he also does a great job at writing a detective story as well, because um, I think the action in the story matches the, um, you know, the unraveling of the detective work that Batman does in terms of... Uh, this um this doomsday plan that the government has even the work that gordon does right fuck man so yeah good. that yeah totally totally yeah mm-hmm. it's um he, he that's it's a side story that that totally like you know supports itself it's yeah. uh it's a great subplot yeah and and just for the readers you know this is like set in the year 2039 right 100 years after 1939, which was the first right. appearance of Batman. And yeah. for the readers, this is Jim Gordon's grandson, who is yeah. he's Captain Gordon, which I was thinking about that all day today, and I was, you know, this was written in 2007. Obviously, you know, having the, the last name Gordon, it made me wonder, okay, is this Barbara's son, or is this James Jr.'s son? And this yeah. story was written before Black Mirror, so I kind of thought, huh, well, that would kind of, the, the the last name would follow, you know, the lineage, so that would almost have to make him James's son, because Barbara probably would have married someone and taken their last name. Mm. So then I got to think, I was like, how fucking crazy is that? This is the son of a psychopath. So, yeah. <laughs> who's now... Yeah. Taking yeah. up his grandfather's <clears throat> mission to serve and protect Gotham as a police officer. Right. That's it kind was, of a weird thing to think about. Yeah. yeah. I, wasn't this kind of also out of the time that Black Mirror was coming out as well? Is the timeline, I think, the same? Way before, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. it was at least a few yeah. years before. Yeah. Okay. Black and Mirror. Four or five like years. 2008? No, was it that late? Mm, like 2010, 11. That was that was that recent Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, a really cool, another really cool um, point in the book is that they have a couple of still images from him over the years that they're investigating when they when the government is demanding a file on Batman's identity because at this point he's an he's an urban legend to this futuristic government and um, they're looking and one of them is uh, a silhouette of um, Detective Comics 39 when he's swinging and his cape is flaring and the last image they have <clears throat> is an image that they said was from uh, 2016 yeah which is this year this year yeah so that's yeah. pretty cool as yep. well and they also have the one from uh, 86 where he goes oh it looks like he put on some weight obviously referencing the uh, dark knight returns batman so think about this cool what if they, they, uh, they reference uh commissioner yindel in, yeah. uh, in for that timeline as well yeah. how cool would this be if like uh they did like a new print new release of this book in the 20,000 the 2016 version was affleck <laughs> <laughs> they had pope come in and just draw that little frame <laughs> So badass. badass. What kind of reminded me of? I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with it. Did any of you guys read uh, the Darren Aronofsky kind of pitch for his Batman when he wanted to do a Batman? He wanted to do this, didn't he? It was a slight, yeah, it was like a a little bit of Batman Year 100. And Mm. it was almost kind of like, dude, you know, and as crazy and as far out there as that movie would have been. And it probably wasn't the right time, and the audiences probably wouldn't have jumped on. I would have seen the shit out of this movie if it was live action, <laughs> and if it was directed by Darren Aronofsky, 
that guy knows how to make fucking awesome looking movies. So if he does. He does. Adapting, yeah, like adapting this art to his vision. Holy shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. So cool. Like his, his, well, go ahead. Sorry. So, so what is it about this book in particular that makes it like <clears throat> one of your go-to favorites? Um, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it's the dystopian thing, which I, I like the, the, the darkness of that. Um, I like the fact that it's set in the future, but it's not like, um, enmeshed in futuristic trappings. That a lot of writers use. Yeah. It's you not know, like you, Tokyo on steroids type. Of yeah. Yeah. Trip. It's just like, it could be anywhere, you it's know, like post apocalyptic almost. Yeah. But the, the tech there's like, there's some high tech stuff, but it's not like, there's not a lot of it. Um, I just like the fact that it's such a low rent, gritty Batman in this futuristic setting. I just, it's really like, as, as crap was saying, it's like the grittiest and grimiest, um, Batman, um, really story down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the story, I mean, the story is just so fantastic. I mean, there's twists. I mean, each, it is a page turner. It's a page, page turner, uh, right to the end. He has great action and great storytelling. That's not easy to do. Usually you get, one if you're lucky but to get both is right and, and and they they handle the future aspect without beating you over the head with the fact that it's in the future it's right. not like future future flying cars laser beams yeah <laughs> i do yeah. like those i do like, Much those like flying like those normal. flying fifth element vehicles that you have oh yeah book. i really like yeah. those yep. that's a good Dude, contrast that... what's up I fucking love that movie, and this did bring that up for me a couple times, the visuals and the feel of The Fifth Element. It's great, because uh, that's quite futuristic, but the cityscape is just decay, like old decay. Yeah, it, so. it was just missing Chris Tucker. That's the only thing this, this book was probably missing. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> except, for the, for the, except for the police station. Oh! The Mr. Freeze shows up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the trunkler. The trunkler. <laughs> Making his way down to Bad Force Radio. He is the one, the only, the trunkler. Scott Batman Hey, one of my favorite parts in this book, it happens in the beginning when jumping through that building and he's hiding from the feds. And that little kid gives him a Superman toy. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I love that. Shit. Actually, that Superman toy actually looked like it had pretty good articulation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But kid, kid, kid never should have taken it out of the package, though. So. Uh, do you think that's where uh, Scott Snyder got his uh, inspiration to create Duke? Was that kid that he just... In the hallways, maybe it's kind of pre Duke. They're popping up all yeah. over the place. If you guys you never know, it. I like that it shows that um, even in this comic universe, that the superheroes have crossed over to pop culture and now they're <laughs> making toys of them. Swatch chasing Batman, and they ask the kid, <laughs> they go, You see anyone dressed like Dracula? <laughs> that was a really great line. And the, and the way the kid hands a toy over to, to Batman, it's almost like, uh, like some sort of uh an offering to like a deity like you know he's like this this dark creature standing in his apartment with him it's well, it also it also shows that okay batman's been gone for a while but superman yeah. must be still around somewhere well they talk about though uh they've all been sort of eliminated you know yeah and it's, and they refer to him as the last mask yeah the last mask exactly mm. 
so, so that that Superman toy is this kid in the ghetto who probably has this really old toy. Found it in. Yeah, just like he's probably been hanging out to it. <laughs> he found it in an empty trunk. Rich, you're absolutely right. The the trunkler like had to donate something for like charity. <laughs> found a Jay Lee Superman figure. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. Here's some uh, shitty Superman toys. <laughs> uh, did anyone else think uh, Agent Tibble looked like Rick Grimes when he first showed up with that hat? Cool. <laughs> oh, God. Cool. Uh, Paul Pope set up the story where um, there was that conflict with a couple of SWAT team members, and the guy got shot and killed, and then they were trying to pin it on Batman. But he went back to investigate and found that um, it was pretty wild. Um, the guy had a tooth with a USB port in it that held information about this flesh killer weaponized. Yeah. He was a mule. <clears throat> Basically, he was a mule to transport that that information to whoever that, wanted uh, it. I don't know if you guys already talked about this, but and you probably did, so I'm sure I'll get a fuck's sake, Scott. Um <laughs> But uh, fuck that sake, Scott. Fuck's sake, Scott. Fuck sake, Scott. Fuck sake, Scott. Uh, this mother trunkler. Yeah, um, <laughs> Batman kicking the uh, the SWAT team's ass. That was very uh, year one, I'm sure. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, actually, I'm, no one's brought that up yet. That's a very fine point, Scott. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> We're all pulling for you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I love those strings and clips Batman uses during those battles. It's just it's so, like you said earlier, just so homemade and realistic <laughs> and raw. Like, it's, we can make it's that ridiculous. shit. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Here's the future where they have, you know, they, they, you know, like what Robin was saying, they don't overpower you with future, future, you know, flying cars, hovering boards, lasers, but they're still using flip phones. It's mm. not Marty McFly, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and what's up with those teeth, man? I mean, those, those oh, teeth are amazing. Love, it. love yeah. it. so good. We need a figure of that. That's yeah. What we need a fucking figure. Of. Oh, we need a year a year one hundred figure with a uh, swap out head with the teeth in it. Yeah, oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Masco. Hey, we'll get DC on the horn tomorrow. <laughs> get no, on it, Masco. Fuck DC. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what Masco the... needs to fucking slow down. My wallet can only take so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the motorcycle. How it would oh, fold up oh, and we hang need that like too. a bat, dude. Oh. Yeah. Did anybody else notice that? I'm the, I'm trying to find where, where exactly I saw, but I think it was right when uh, you first see Batman on the motorcycle. For some reason, right on the front of it looked like a Court of Owls mask to me. Oh, hmm. oh shit. What page is that on again? It's going two for two. Interesting. Uh, I've got the deluxe edition. Let me. Uh... No, excuse me, Scott. Fucking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You hear that, no, Mr. Gramps? Deluxe here. Yeah, I, don't know about, I don't know about Gramps, but I got the deluxe edition here. With the <laughs> I don't know about you, Gramps. I don't know about that soft cover. I don't know. <laughs> It's on page 75. Oh, dude, I, I you're think... absolutely right. Wow. It's fucking Scott. Big ol' observant dong right there, huh, boy? <laughs> again, he, doesn't, he doesn't need his own segment for nothing, guys. <laughs> yeah. He, he... One thing I, I, I liked how Paul Pope, um, obviously you can tell that he's a real Batman fan by reading this. Not only does he reference older materials and the, the writers, I mean, he even has a reference to uh, 
Sprang and Adams Street that they intersect. But I, I like how he showed part of Batman's training by uh, he's trying to remember what happened down in the subway incident where it left the Fed, you know, dead. So he 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 does like his own uh, trunk. No, no, he's meditating. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> he's meditating, and he's like, it's almost like he's rewinding it and slowing it down. Like he's trying to yeah, like retrieve, like memory retrieval, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then he says I'm, that word ombra, and I was like, ombra, what is ombra? And then it comes up later in the book, ombra. Is this like some kind of terrorist group? Do you think it? It it definitely was something like shrouded in in mystery because he. He brings it up a few times. Oh, you know, I just saw the uh, I just saw the the court mask finally uh, last last to arrive there. But yeah, it does look like the court of owls mask. It's very cool. Well, and yeah. right around that same segment, when it keeps on jumping from, you know, Gordon looking at the different photos, um, and a photo clipping of him swinging in the nine, you know, uh, let's see, nineteen thirty nine. Oh, it looks like there's wires, and then after this gentleman. Batman uh, wakes up from you know, the doctor sewing him up again. I, and I noticed this, I noticed that then, and I noticed it throughout the entire book. I don't think they ever, they don't really ever show his full face. They always show it, show it partially hidden. Like when he's got the hood on, you only see, you know, quarter of his face is missing or when he's meditating his, you know, from his nose up is covered. That's true. So it's kind of a little, and a little mysterious there too. That you never get to see his full, his full face. I like the fact that Paul Pope brings in the fact that he gets hungry. <clears throat> he wants medium rare steak. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was awesome. Really, yeah. And it's really and some M and M's. He makes them really human. Definitely. Like, yeah. You guys, I need a steak, on... and here's my utility belt. It's actually really a belt. Mm. Fucking awesome. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> there was that um, part where uh, he blasts some fire from the back of his motorcycle into someone. I thought of the uh, the Keaton movie when that. Oh happened. yeah. And um, if you guys notice in the end, uh, that guy he's always fighting, but I forgot his name. The guy he he then has a bandage on his nose. Oh, it's mutant right, leader all the way, isn't it? Yeah, the telepath <laughs> guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that guy's an asshole. He, um, <laughs> He's a good fighter, though. He, uh, I didn't catch who the colorist was, but um, and every time they they showed the flames or the fire, it looked—I mean, it looked really good. I mean, yeah. it, that definitely stood out. This is Cult of the Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Mm-mm. Sexy. Hey, going back, I forgot to mention. Um, I know Gramps would uh get one off to this but when they showed the actual dark knight returns building with the lightning crashing mm-hmm. i mean woo. <laughs> yeah th- there's a lot of uh dark knight returns references yeah in here Why? his hideout is a fucking very rundown apartment new york city apartment uh, yeah pretty much like a multi-billionaire bat chest logo reminds me of the charlie brown shirt the way the, uh, <laughs> the points go down. Actually, Paul Pope, I think, drew a post-apocalyptic um, Charlie Brown and Snoopy, and it looked just like it. It's great. Um, hey, but, you, you catch the uh, uh, 
backtrack. You catch the Williamsburg reference with the streets. Yeah, uh, Fulton, Wyckoff, uh, Kent. They're throwing out those in the book. I'm like, ah, because I think Paul Pope lives in, uh, at least he did, in, in Williamsburg. Oh, man. All right, everyone. Yeah, he's, he's a hipster. Everyone, also, pro- everyone close your books. They also showed a guy. Throw you, yeah. Close your books and throw them in the fucking garbage, man. <laughs> Paul Pope's a fucking hipster. If you look closely in one of those panels, too, there's a guy with a big handlebar mustache and an anchor tattoo uh, right on his uh, forearm there. I thought that was interesting. Well. <laughs> oh, Dude, I'm, 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 I'm right have, now. Do we have any man buns? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We know on the, the holographic pro- projections when um, oh, yeah. Batman appears... Uh, in front of um, Gordon after he talks to the, um, uh, what was the guy, Tibble is his name or some shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. And uh, made me think of Star Wars. But Gordon's like, how the hell did, you know, how the hell are you doing this? How do you know everything about me? And mm. I like I like that a lot. That's cool. When he was in the building and he extracted that tooth and then he was told by the doctor's, I forgot her name, but the doctor's daughter. The daughter's like, oh, it's like an oracle, you know, and. Um, hey, they, she, she found they have a drop, a sample of his blood. And when Batman finally finds this cabinet full of blood, they're all randomly marked. They're all random, you know, unknown. None of the known names are on it. At first, it kind of hinted. And then, you know, like throughout the entire story, they're talking about, oh, he must be 140 years old. Or back in 1939, almost I thought the direction of the book was going to go towards like something with cloning. Mm. That you know me too. The very first time I read the book, that's what I was expecting. That we we're going to see it. You know, this was a clone of the you know original. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but nope, nope. Well, no. that's kind of where I I got my and, uh, re- theory. Rereading it now, it was funny. I had uh, I I had the uh, the current uh, the last Batman issue in mind, where uh, they're revealing Bruce's plan to always have a Batman in Gotham through the cloning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, be kind of cool if. Um... This Batman was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the one of the wildest parts is this. This, you know, here here we have a, a guy running around in his homemade suit, doesn't really know what the hell he's doing, and he's out of breath in half the book. He's like coughing <laughs> and gasping and wheezing and like, bent over, like Christian Bale Batman. Guys out of shape. <laughs> Almost like the poor man's Batman. Mm. You know, mm. you, you never see him throw a battering. You see him throw a couple explosives and like a smoke bomb. But other than that, he's just a guy that's in a suit with wire and, you know, uh, those hooks. Yeah. yeah. So when did yeah. um, Bruno Mars become Robin? <laughs> <laughs> is that who you're seeing? Bruno Mars? <laughs> hey, what? Also, his name is Robin. You know, it's it's clearly it's a whole other... You know, Does that mean not... our Canadian Curve Butte could be a Robin? Yeah. yeah. You never know. <laughs> Why not? He, he just know. needs to add that little fruitcake earring. <laughs> <laughs> hipster. Hipster. <laughs> <laughs> they, they also treated him like an, he treats uh, he treats Robin Batman like a cross. real uh, bootlick. You know? <laughs> he, he doesn't treat him too well. Bootlick. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, he, he kind of does that to all of them. Uh, when, yeah. he's, when he wants to do his meditation, he's like, I, I need quiet. And he makes them all leave and says, come back in the morning and bring some steaks medium rare. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he's an all-American hero. They're, they're, all, they're all Alfred. <laughs> sure, let me go to Central Market and just get you some bad steaks. They got to go hunt it in this it's probably It's probably also a defense mechanism to keep, you know, to keep the Robins at bay and to keep them, you know, doesn't get them too close because there's probably going to fucking die anyway, you know? True. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool not when not he, a long shelf life. It's cool when he lets them yeah. take a take that ride, the motorcycle adventure with him. That was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Little decoy. Really cool. Yeah. I would love to see that in an animated film, something like oh. that, because uh, that was really good action. Just like, I, I like the part when they're on the radio and then like uh there's two of them <laughs> like what the fuck yeah <laughs> that's pretty badass really really nice spin to it yeah and he get robin finally gets you know a, a little little moment in the in the spotlight there oh, you know because the... there was um i'm sorry there was a sticker does he put a sticker on his motorcycle yeah, he puts a, a batman sticker on yeah he does what yeah. Kind of... well and even um when uh once again i can't think of the doctor's daughter's name but um when uh, Batman's out, and she even brings up, you know, you should go on your own. Or, and he's, or he says, well, he'll never just hand me, you know, the, the cape and cowl. And then she said, well, maybe you should do it on your own. And he's like, yeah, maybe, you know, he kind of has that thought that, you know, maybe he will be almost like how Dick Grayson left the Robin to become Nightwing. Nightwing, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. And doesn't she even ask him, like, what are you going to call yourself? Yeah, but I don't think he said. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't think he gives her a name. That'd be that'd be a nice thing on the wish list. Definitely a Paul Pope Batman figure slash motorcycle box set, please. This would be actually, you see these people that do cosplay. I don't think I've ever seen anybody kind of do a, a Paul Pope style <laughs> cosplay, but it'd be badass if someone did and then had the teeth. Yeah. Because the teeth, <laughs> man, the teeth seal the deal. I mean, that's what yeah. makes it almost a horror I tell you, man, mm-hmm. this is one of the last Batman I would want to fight is a Paul Pope Batman because he's uh, <laughs> damn straight, man. Damn he straight, he would, he would fuck really, fuck you up. Really he's... scrapyard fighter, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's he... one that's one reason why the the doctor, what's her name, Goss, she got yeah. pissed off at him because he he blew up part of that building, and she was like, "How do you know that?" You could have killed somebody in there. How do you know that someone else wasn't in there when you did that? And he, he says nothing back. There's no reply yeah. to that. that um, <laughs> he just stands there. He's like, what's your I point? to answer you, yeah. woman. Yeah. He's well, like, where's my medium rare steak? <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you know, going back to the cosplay thing, that would be amazing. See, seeing, the, uh, seeing somebody rock that you know, mm. Batman Year 100 cosplay would be awesome. I've never seen it myself either. Yeah, and it, so I mean, it could be done so easy because this is a very do-it-yourself costume. Yeah. You don't even have to have sleeves that go all the way down to your wrist. <laughs> just wash it and throw it in the dryer and there you go. Man, just ready to go. put on like a, a flannel shirt and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. So the teeth, are, the teeth are only used for a uh, scare tactic. Mm. Yeah. 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 Just well, lends to uh, the urban legend kind of thing and, you know, convincing – People that he's not human helps uh, yeah, detract yeah. from you know identifying him, right? And it works convin- pretty convincingly. Mm. Oh yeah, well yeah. I, the, can't those, I was gonna say all those cops were shitting their pants. When they saw him. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! 
Oh, well, like him putting the teeth in, him putting the teeth in wouldn't be scary. You have to see him with the teeth already in. Otherwise, it's just really fucking stupid. Yeah, I know. That's like, like <laughs> it's like, hang on a minute. The, it's like watching the trunkler open the trunk. You can't do that. You just got to see him with the trunk open. And then you're like, there's a point in the book where, you know, he's talking to uh, the girl and, and Robin with the communicator and she's like, what? I can't understand you. And Robin's like, he's got the teeth in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love that. I love that moment. I love that when he's doing the thing with the teeth and he throws out the, the little gas pellets that, you know, maybe there's a touch of fear toxin in that gas. Uh, yeah. See, I was going to say that the fir- I remember the first, when I first read it and actually I haven't read it since it came out um, until earlier today is that I, some of the pages got stuck together. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but, um, I, I thought that's what it was when he first puts the teeth in and then you know I actually skipped the page and I saw the gas I thought that was like fear toxin and then you know he, I saw him put the teeth in that's and... the, the flarping is all it is okay we get a sense of maybe you know you remember he escapes the building he's out on the catwalk the telepath is chasing him and tells him to stop and he does, and the telepath is like kind of working him over. And he's like, Tell me who you really are under the mask. And he he kind of starts saying, Grah. I thought he was going to say, Grandpa Batman, but. <laughs> 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 At first, I thought he was going to say, Grayson. But uh, then he was probably going to say, Grab me a steak. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was gonna say blokes you know what was um going back with uh, a panel that really stuck with me i love this panel maybe growing up in new york and taking uh the train and just seeing rooftops when it goes overhead but that panel where he's his back's leaning against the chimney while his foot's against the building and the rooftop is just cluttered with like you have the water tower and antennas and um you know these boxes and everything and it's just and nothing looks like it's on or working. I thought that was just a great touch that uh Paul Pope really it's You like, know, I agree with, I, I agree with that. And there's something else to that too. Like that panel is great because it again it shows sort of in his stance like that he's just a guy. Yeah. You know, there's nothing epic about it and he's like Right, he's not levitating or anything. You know, yeah, well he's just not he doesn't have the chest out and the jaw, you know, pointing toward the, the stars and he's just this guy who's like kind of fucked up. And there's right. one point where he's even leaning his face up against the chimney. Mm. You know, like his head is cocked and he's just resting it on the chimney. He's on like, like a Star Attack phone or something. Motorola Star Attack. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just vulnerable, man. I mean, he's he's really vulnerable throughout the entire book, right. and yeah. um, you know, and that's that's amazing. What you said about that having like a very New York feel. I mean that that really hit home with me after visiting New York City for Comic Con last year, and now like books like this. Even though I've read it before, I came back. And reread it this week, and like you said, it's like it takes on a whole new meaning, or it just has a, a lot more depth to it. Because I, I went there and saw firsthand, like the buildings and the water towers and all that stuff to me, the streets and all that. So was I that your first time like, here? No, it was my second time. The first time was a few years before that, but it just 
it rained so hard for the three uh, days I was there. I, I really didn't really get to enjoy it that much. So that's right. You told me that. Yeah. That, it, yeah. But this time I came back, you know, and I was with my wife, but we did a lot of walking around and, and I, I was seeing it through a comic reader's eyes, you know, <laughs> for the cool. first time. Nice. And it really put, um, it really kind of made me think that you really can't, it's, it's very difficult and it's not that it can't be done, but it's, it's almost difficult to be a great Batman writer or artist. If you've never spent time in New York city. Isn't that what you said? What uh, Capula was talking about where they asked him where he gets his references and he says, he yeah, just walks around and draws in New York. Yeah. When he, when he was first starting out, he says something about, you know, because he draws these elaborate backgrounds and, and the dude could be an architect. I, I have no doubt about it because you know, the, the cityscapes and the backgrounds he draws are so intricate. I'm sure when Danny Mickey gets a page, sometimes he's just like, shit. <laughs> but, That's a good contrast to Paul Pope, where I love how imperfect some of his cityscapes are. In yeah. Drawings, you know, and then some of them are very clean. Like this one, I could tell that's from... Uh, soho this building like a bunch of loft buildings and he that would and that one's like really you know uh, the proportions are correct everything is um in order with that design so i like how he's kind of doing the whole <clears throat> push pull method and um this book definitely thought um took me back to thinking about how um tim sale and jeff loeb started where jeff loeb noticed tim sale's work and said i want this guy because he knows how to draw ugly people and <laughs> i think that could be applied to Paul Pope too to achieve this grittiness because I think Pope knows how to draw very unattractive people, to be honest with you, you know, to have very yeah, distorted yeah. features and just this awkwardness about them that really works for this kind of storytelling. I think. Uh, well, just like what Scott mentioned about not seeing, you know, the Bruce Wayne of this story's full face, just like you, and you mentioned about Tim cell, everything is designed on purpose the way it's supposed to look mm -hmm. yeah i uh i like the way he ended it too typical um gordon batman moment but uh, it made me it made me wonder if he's gonna do a sequel he could i'd love to see it batman yeah, year 101 <laughs> <laughs> that batman would be year 1000 yeah. Probably taking a big, huge cult of the bat shit. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Perfect timing. I'm in the middle of it right now. <laughs> what, were we, what were we talking about? Oh, broken nose. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good story. Good story. Mm. Maboose. What's the premise about broken nose? Um, he gets his nose busted. Uh, well, by this, this shitty, <laughs> shitty villain named Mabuse, this like old man in a like a robot suit, and um, he goes back and kicks his ass. 